here we are another evening, Thursday evening with the Cost of Communication series. And today we're gonna to be talking about case presentations. Before we do that, I just wanna thank Equa Marketing for sponsoring this podcast series and to the Water Cooler Platform for creating a learning environment on some rele relevant topics. Equa Marketing is a leader in digital marketing. So thank you for allowing this to happen. So today we're gonna to talk about the cost of communication with case presentations. So this is my third episode. The first one we talked about the vision as it relates to the cost of communication and also the next month we talked about unrealistic expectations. So today we're gonna to get a little more clinical. We're gonna get into while you're in the practice, what's happening during those case presentations. Now, if you have ever done a case presentation and felt like, wow, that was amazing. I killed it. I knocked that out of the park, you know, and the patient goes up and they schedule and everything feels really good. You feel like you explained everything really well. The patient understood it. That feels great. That feels really good. Or maybe the other end of the spectrum where you've left the a patient has left and you're feeling a little bit like, wow, I'm not sure what happened there. I went off on a tangent. I was talking too much. I, maybe I was talking too clinically and they don't end up scheduling and you just feel a little bit defeated. And sometimes this can happen where, you know, the, the case presentation, we just kind of go through the motions. We feel like we did a great job. The patient agrees and you think they've gone up to schedule the appointment and then all of a sudden they didn't make the appointment. You check in with the front desk team and they say, oh no, they needed to, um, to wait. And here you thought, wow, I thought they were gonna schedule, they agreed. Well, the natural step after the case presentation is the acceptance. We wanna make sure that we're nailing that case presentation so that we can get them to accept treatment that is needed. This isn't treatment that's optional, this is stuff that the patient needs. This is what we're finding when we're doing the oral health evaluations and when they're coming in with, with concerns. And today we're going to talk about some objectives to help lead us into that um, case presentation. Now let's see. Go forward here. So the first thing we're going to talk about is identifying your communication blind spots during your case presentation and what to do about it. The second one I'm gonna talk about, I love acronyms. If you guys have been following me, you know I love acronyms. So the idea method and how to integrate that into your presentation. So as I was creating my content on case presentations, the idea method came to fruition. And so we'll talk about that and take each step at a time. And then the third thing we're gonna talk about it, our visual aids. What are we currently using? What analogies are we using? What are our current communication techniques? And what changes need to be made? Are there some tweaks that we can easily do to help engage the patient and get them to schedule and to build our confidence with our case presentations? Communication blind spots. So as you know, we've been talking about the five C of communication over the last few episodes. And what those are is the first C talks about the what, and that is the actual words, the communication, the content, that's the what. The clarity is the how, and the 
The other three C's are the customer service, cohesiveness, and compassion. These are why, these are what helps with effective communication. So when we have blind spots, that's the opposite reaction. Instead of having effective communication, we have communication that's lacking, that's not quite as effective as we would like it to be. When I think about blind spots as it relates to communication, what I'm really talking about here is when we're explaining what treatment a patient needs based on your clinical knowledge, your available diagnostic tools, and your comfort level. The reason why this gives blind spots is because you're not seeing the entire picture. When it's, when it's what we have available, then we have limits, and therefore there's some blind spots. You can't see what you can't see, or sometimes well, people will say you don't know what you don't know. And you're not aware of that car next to you. You know, um, when I grew up, I had um, my first car accident was because I looked in my side mirror and I shifted lanes and didn't realize that there was another car there. So I had a blind spot and I hit this, this couple that was in their 80s. Well, I hit their car, I didn't hit them. And so that was, you know, my 16-year-old first car accident was due to not seeing that. Well, now my car beeps at me, even when there's a leaf that flies by, it seems like. <laughs> so it's, you know, there's something there, there's something there. And so it gets a little bit hypersensitive sometimes. Now, what I'm going to talk about today are five areas that I see when I'm in offices consulting or when I've worked with um, dentists before as a hygienist the major blind spots that I've seen in practices. So the first one is that we, we tend to get a little too clinical. So what happens is, you know, when we go to dental school, we go to dental hygiene school, we learn new technical skills. We want to, we want our patients to know that we, they can trust us and that we are skilled and they know, we know what we're doing. So we tend to get too clinical or speak jargon to them. And we gotta remember that we're not trying to teach them to become dentists. We want them to trust us and we need to use terms that they recognize. We also, as colleagues of each other and our peers, we talk this way to each other and we all are in agreement and we understand that. Patient hasn't had that skill set and that knowledge to know what those terms mean. So what's, what is something to us that is just normal, to them it's foreign. It's like speaking a foreign language. So when we're too clinical, the patient can leave there feeling like what just happened. And then when you, as a dentist, leave the room, the hygienist or the dental assistant tends to have to translate what you just said. I've done that plenty of times when I worked as a hygienist. When the doctor leaves, I'd say, okay, so what he just said was, or what she just said was, and then I would have that relationship with them and, and kind of explain it. So what can you do? One thing that you can do is that you can ask the patient for clarification. So for example, say that this is something we recognize in ourselves that we know we talk to clinical, but we're not sure what to do about it. So one of your best patients, you could say to them, hey, you know what, uh, Mrs. Smith, I'm working on understanding how I my communication comes across to patients. And I was just wondering how I how I explain that to you. Um, can you tell me in your own words what I just said? And if she's like, 
no, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm not sure what you just said, then maybe that's an indicator that you need some help with making it a little bit more lay terms. Also, the other thing that you could say was, you know, was I talking a little too much to talk? Um, and just get their feedback. You know, our patients, if they've been coming to you for a long time, they're going to appreciate that you're asking for their help. The second thing is either talking too fast or talking too slow. Now, too fast, you can feel overwhelming and the patient leaves and their head is kind of spinning. Too slow can be a little bit annoying to the patient and also to your team members when they know there's three other rooms or hygiene checks that you need to get to. And you know, it's just taking a long time to, to get your point across or to get the presentation said. So working on being able to slow down your speech or speed it up and Remember that second C is clarity, trying to, trying to say, okay, how concise can we make this and how clear can we be in the time that we have allowed? Because you don't want to skimp on what you want to say. However, there's times where we can take a look at, you know, what do I actually say? And is there any way I can say this a little more effectively and still get what I need to say across to the patient? So this isn't about trying to change who you are. It's recognizing how you communicate to others because it's about their experience, not yours. You adapt your style to fit theirs if you wanna grow and get more patients. And this is a hard one to recognize because as I mentioned in my, my sort of assessment of what I called a blind spot, it's explaining treatment with your knowledge, your tools and your comfort level. When it comes down to it, this really is about what your patients need. So making sure that we're understanding that coming in from their perspective. Third one is to continue to talk after the patient already agrees to treatment. I hear this all the time. It's almost like we're trying to self-sabotage what we just said. So we're not talking too clinical, we're not too fast, we're too slow. We tell the patient what they need, they say, okay, and then you just keep talking. So it's just detrimental because it almost is like you're trying to talk them out of it. Just once they agree to treatment, just stop talking. They, they, they don't need any more explanation. And this is a tough one. This is a tough one because we are educators at heart in the dental field. I think everyone would most people would agree with that assessment that we like to educate our patients. We like them to understand what's happening. When they agree, they understand, move on. <laughs> All right, limited visual aids. When I go into an office and there's an intraoral camera sitting there and it hasn't been used all day, it makes me very sad. <laughs> intraoral cameras are my favorite. I love using them. I love going into offices and say, here, use this today on every single patient and see their case acceptance increase almost, you know, almost a hundred percent when I've been in an office and they start using it. And it's amazing to me how much the case acceptance increases when patients can see their own mouth. So when you have limited visual aids or you have limited or you have visual aids that you're not actually using, you don't have a visual, if you don't have an intraoral camera, definitely get one today. Go on Amazon, go on, you know, anywhere and get one. Call, 
colleagues, eBay, find one. They're amazing. Tooth models, before and after pictures. When, and, and the thing is, if you have a small budget, before and after pictures are very inexpensive. You already have x-rays there. You already have um, cameras in your office. Take pictures and do before and after pictures, and it really helps patients to get a sense of what their smile could look like. And then um, make sure you're doing this every day, you know, making sure that you're using the tools that you have already. And then the last one that common blind spot I see is to second guess yourself. You, or another way to look at this is to lack confidence or be wishy-washy. So patients really want to hear what you have to say. They value you as the expert. They're coming to you to take care of their mouth. This is not everybody's favorite place to be. So the fact that they showed up is a huge win in and of itself. We want to make sure that we're not second-guessing ourselves or appearing to feel um, wishy-washy or not confident in what we're saying. Now, there are consultants, there's dentists, there's people out there that talk about like co-diagnosing and making the patient a part of the treatment plan presentation. And I agree with that, that the patients don't want to be talked at, that they want to feel like they're part of the presentation. However, I do believe that patients still want your expert opinion on what you would do for your own mouth and to give them an idea of what they um, would be the best option for them. They want your guidance and your help with making a decision. First, they need to be able to trust you and your team. So if you're feeling like you're, you're not confident or you feel like you're wishy-washy or you second guess yourself, you know, say something like, if this was my tooth, this is what I would do. If this was my mouth, if this was my wife's mouth, if my aunt, my daughter, you know, bring it to the level of what would that look like? And I just want to remind you, if you are a doctor out there, that your team knows what your blind spots are. This isn't going to be a surprise to them it may be a surprise to you. So getting feedback from your team and from people that you trust is very critical to improving your case presentations. Right, so we talked about blind spots and now we're gonna talk about the idea that acronym. So it stands for identify, discuss, educate, and advise. Identify that first one. Now, the first step in case presentation is identifying the patient's needs during the exam. When we follow these guidelines, then we can enhance the patient experience and increase our case acceptance rate. And who doesn't want that, right? That gives you more production. It gets your schedule so that you have a consistent, predictable schedule when there's patients coming in and accepting the treatment that you have presented to them. Now, when we wanna do this, we wanna identify the patient's needs and desires. Have the patient self-assess their dental needs or desires. Now, this could be what's called a um, smile assessment, or oral health evaluation, uh, whatever you call it, have it some sort of dental medical history for them, and then tie in the patient's responses to your case presentation discussion. So, for instance, if this, 
um, smile assessment or oral health evaluation has something about whitening and the patient say the question is, you know, um, do you wish you had whiter teeth? And the patient says no, then are you gonna talk to them about whitening? Well, if they're, they've already told you they don't care about how white their teeth are, then we're not gonna go there. But maybe they care about the function and they're missing a tooth and they care about implants and you focus on that. It doesn't mean you just could say, oh, I see that you're not interested in whitening and, and move on from there. So if they change their mind. But we don't wanna talk to patients about things that they don't necessarily self-identify as a problem. Identifying the type of exam. So the patient is, whatever type of exam it, that patient is having, we wanna customize our communication accordingly. So if it's a new patient exam, or if it's a periodic oral exam, or it's a perio exam, we wanna make sure that whatever our case presentation is, is customized to that. So for instance, if someone's coming in with a toothache, a limited exam, we're not gonna sit there and they're in pain and just go into all this detail. They're not focused on what you're saying. They're focused on the solution and how you can help them. So once you identify that, the type of exam, then you can customize what you're going to say to help them. And then identifying the patient personality type. Now, listening to our patients' concerns and watching their body language. You don't have to be a human behavioral expert to have awareness of the patient's personality tendencies. It's not, it's, it's having an awareness of what is going on around you, listening to their words. If they say something, listen and then say it back to them. You know, help with those clarifying questions. And then identifying patients' patterns of behavior will help you adapt your case presentation to fit their listening style. And your team can help you with this. If you've had a patient that's been coming for a while, your hygienists do a really great job at seeing them and getting to know them really well. The front office team does as well. If you've had a patient coming and you haven't done dental work on them in four years, your hygienist has been seeing them, talk to them, say, you know, what are some patterns of listening or you know, what are some things that can help you with this case presentation and get their feedback. So we idea, we have identify. Then we have discuss. So when we have a case presentation, then the next one is D, it's the discussion. So here are the do's and the don'ts of the discussion. We do want to maintain eye contact with the patient. Now this happened to me personally where I was um, at my dentist appointment. I was having done my hygiene visit and the doctor was looking at my x-rays and he was talking to the screen, the monitor, talking to my x-rays, which he was talking to me, but he was looking at their x-rays, talking to my x-rays. And I was not very <laughs> enthused about it. It was very annoying. Now, granted, I may be a little more sensitive because of what I do for a living. It's just not okay. Don't talk to the computer screen, the x-rays, the intraoral pictures talk to the patient, and I do observe this all the time, not even only in my own experience, but in other offices as well. I understand the practice position of where the monitor is, can be in a funky spot, you might be talking behind them, let the patient know, say, hey, you know what, for a few minutes, I'm gonna be looking at your x-rays, kind of talking, I'm not ignoring you, I'll, I'll you know, bring attention to you in a moment, I wanna take a look at these, so let them know at least 
if you're in a situation where the computer screen isn't in a uh, very ergonomic way so that you're able to look at the, the patient at the same time. We do want to spend 60% of the time on the what's in it for them. Touch on the emotional benefit and tie in what they wrote on their smile assessment, the oral health evaluation. So like bring it to what they, what they think their needs are, their perceived needs. And then we don't want to spend 60% on clinical benefits. This is our comfort level. This is where we educate. We want to tell them all about it. They really don't care. I'm generalizing here. There's some that do care. The most part, they care more about how it affects them emotionally, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, what's the experience in the actual clinical part of, you know, what dental material are you going to use and all that. Now, there are some that care about that. Generally speaking, patients want to understand how it affects them in their life. How long is it going to take? Things like that. And then the purpose of the discussion is to connect to their values. We're not trying to help them get through dental school, right? <laughs> we do want to listen and then ask for clarifying questions. We don't want to just tell them what they need and walk away or tell them what they need, ask, do you understand? They say yes and walk away. We want to make sure that we have asked them a clarifying question. For example, a clarifying question would be, um, so Mrs. Jones, I just explained a lot to you today. Um, do you understand what your next steps would be? And if she says yes, say, okay, you know, what would you feel about those next steps? And kind of get her emotional sense of that. Because if you just leave it at yes, how do you really know? So we want to take it a little step further. We also want to use our visual aids to increase value, especially the intraoral pictures. And then we don't want to skimp on technology or forget to take pictures. This is critical for case acceptance. Uh, we do want to ask for decision maker to be in the room. And we don't want to assume that they are the sole decision maker. So you might as well help proactively say, hey, you know what, why don't you, um, you know, is there anyone else who's part of this decision making process? Do you want to invite them on the phone? Do you want to invite them back? especially if it's something that is going to be a large investment for the patient. We want to make sure that, that we're understanding that it's not just on them. They can bring someone else into it, and that's okay. So we have the idea, the I, the D is the discussion. And here's where our comfort level is. Here's that education part. When we're educating, we want to focus on the consequences of not doing the recommended treatment the actual process for the procedure, so the logistics, you know, how long is the crown appointment? Is it two appointments? Is it one? Are we doing it the same day? The length of the appointment, et cetera. And then setting expectations for the treatment outcome. So what you can expect after this is, you know, you'll be numb for about two hours. You should be able to go back to work. I don't know how many times I was asked, will I be able to work today? You know, will I be able to work after this appointment? I'm not sure what they think we're doing to them. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, you, know, you can go back to work, maybe multiple extractions. But, you know, for the most part, you know, anything that we're doing that's not too, um, too complicated or too comprehensive, 
they're going to be able to go back to work. So we want to make sure that they understand some of those things. And if you guys know that there are commonly asked questions that patients have, how nice would it be that you educate your patients on those things before they even ask? So if we know that they're going to ask about how long does it take? Will I be able to go to back to work after? How long will I be numb? Will it hurt? All of those things that aren't just, you know, how much does it cost? All those things that we know that they're going to ask, or maybe that they should ask or that they might be thinking later, proactively have those things just said as we're giving our presentation. You would be exceeding their expectations and answering questions that they didn't even know that they had yet. I have a question. When it comes to the questions, would it be beneficial to have like a FAQ sheet that you could go over with them that they'd have something to take home with them? That would be fantastic. I love that. Yep, FAQ sheet is perfect. And frequently asked questions, and then the should have asked questions too, because it's almost like, well, what should we be asking? Because we as dental professionals sometimes hear things that come up that aren't necessarily, you know, how much does it cost or, um, you know, how long is it going to take there? It's even more than that. So I love it. Yes, absolutely. And you could give that, you could give that um, during the case presentation. You could give it during the financial presentation and say, hey, I wanted you to leave here with this. Um, you know, you may have asked some of these things during the case presentation or during the financial presentation, kind of clarifying it and saying, okay, let's wrap this up. Because a lot of times in the case presentation, patients don't ask as many questions as um, they do once the doctor leaves. <laughs> and I think any team member will, will tell you that. I mean, there's those patients that do, like someone like me, but <laughs> great question. Thank you. All right, so we're, now we're doing the advising, which so we have the um, identify, discuss, educate, and advise. So this is basically saying, here's what um, I'm recommending, here's what I'm advising. So when they understand what their next steps are, are then we have clarity. They get it, they understand. When they have an agreement with us, then we can schedule. Now this is an agreement where it's not just them nodding them their head, it's you directly asking them, are we in agreement? So Mrs. Jones, I have um, gone over three options with you to fix that upper right area. Do you agree that the crown is the best option for you? So actually specifically saying that, and then she would say, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't really understand what you mean. And you can say, okay, and then you can clarify it again and then ask the question again. Did that clarify it for you? Do, you? do you agree that the crown is the best option for you? And then once they agree and they understand, okay, this is the best option for you, let's go ahead and get you scheduled within the next two weeks. And so then they go up front and now that what they have to do is talk about the finances and the scheduling. So if you're the doctor or the hygienist and, and the, um, or the assistant and the patient is asking you, well, how much does it cost? 
great question. You know, Susie's our financial coordinator and she'll go over all of those with you. So then you have the handoff. So whoever's doing the handoff, they've just heard if it's a dental assistant, the hygienist, they've already heard the patient agree. So now you go up to the front and you hand off to Susie and you say, Susie, Mrs. Jones and Dr. Crown agreed that number three needs a crown and that's the best option for her. So now you've just confirmed it again, the patient's hearing it, oh, I just agreed to that, now let's get it scheduled. So when the patient is saying, well, how much does it cost? They've already agreed a couple times that this is what they need. So then it's helpful for them to understand, like here's the value behind it. So does that make sense? Yes, it does. For the ones that cost is a major issue, how do you clear that hurdle? Great question. So that's where you wanna make sure that you have some financial options available, whether it be care credit, whether it be um, if they're cash pay, it's a discount, 5%. If it's um, in-house financing, some offices have in-house financing. You wanna make sure that you have options available for the patient so that they're able to choose for them. So let's say they have dental insurance and it's only gonna cover 50%. And let's say the crown is $1,500 and they've got a deductible and that's not met yet. And they're gonna have to pay, let's say 700 out of, out of pocket. So now with that 700, Mrs. Jones, um, the, the benefit from your insurance, if you didn't have insurance, it would be $1,500. Since you have a benefit of, in, of um, an insurance benefit, they're covering X amount. What your portion is, is what did I say, $700. So would you like to pay that 700 on care credit? Would you like to um, use your credit card? If it's a cash pay, we do give the discount. So make sure that they have options. Great, great question. So then, um, so once we have that agreement, then we schedule. And then we wanna make sure that we are having the, um, the conversation of that handoff. So that, that don't miss that because that is a key point because you went from what the doctor and the patient agreed to, to bringing up front and saying it again. And then in between, while we are during that presentation, and even during that financial discussion, once you've talked about it, you can use visual aids during the presentation with the doctor and also during the financial presentation. So once the patients agree, they're walked up, before and after photos, testimonials, those are great ways to get patients to understand the, the it's not just about the money that they're having to pay, it's about the, the tooth, um, the crown for the tooth is the best option for them. And if it's $700, I mean, how much is that per day? And that crown's gonna last them 10, 15, 20 years. So you might even wanna say, you know, that's like, you know, a dollar a day for 700 days, you know, and it's gonna be well past that time. So intro camera, x-rays, before and after photos, definitely in the clinical presentation, maybe testimonials. Patient education videos could be done um, during the clinical aspect or during the financial presentation as well. 
some, some of my practices like to do the patient education videos um, during that financial piece, just as a clarification. Um, some offices like to do it before the doctor gives a presentation, just to trigger some, um, and a patient education video would be like a two minute video on what a crown is. The patient's never had a crown before. What is periodontal disease? Um, what is um, a, a scaling and root planing? So something like that is just a quick video to get the patient um, involved in it, getting some of the verbiage out there. And then the, the doctor would come in and, and help to, to um, clarify what that was. Brochures, again, those brochures can be with um, the financial arrangement piece of it or the clinical presentation. And then tooth models, same thing. You can have some, some in the consultation room and some in the back. But visual learning is key to acceptance and to having an awesome case presentation. I mean, think about how you learn and think about what you like to have happen. And then mirror that for your patients too. I mean, and then think about, you know, maybe do a survey of your whole team and say, okay, what works best for you? So we all have a variety of what that, what that is. We all have different learning styles and what we're used to and what makes sense to us. So what are the visual aids you're using now and what are some that you could do? Now there are also some other ones too that I didn't mention here, but one that's a really great one is yourselves. You could be your own testimonial, your team. If your team has had Invisalign and you're the one who did it, you know, show them, you know, Susie had Invisalign, Amy got her teeth whitened, and look how white they are. So you can use each other as, as um, testimonials and before and after. Um, yeah, so think about what, what your visual is you're using now, what you can improve on, and then I want to give you a little challenge here. You know that at the end, I always like to give a little challenge what we've talked about. And the first one is a, is a little hard because we tend to not want conflict or um, maybe get a little defensive, but find someone that you trust and have them observe you during your case presentation. Listen to the feedback and implement some suggestions just to see how it works. Because if you've got someone who's not in the dental field, come and listen to your case presentation. If you, if you have people in the dental field listen, they're not gonna be able to give you feedback like someone who's not in the dental field, if that makes sense. Because we all have that knowledge. If you're, if you're too clinical and you want someone to help you be less clinical, then have someone that doesn't have those clinical words already ingrained in their head come in and, and observe. Um, of course, there are some HIPAA things there, so you just want to be careful with that, but you can also have your team come in and say, okay, from a patient's eyes and ears, what do I sound like? You could record yourself just talking to one of your um, team members. You could do it as a, as a team meeting and say, hey, I'm going to present treatment to you like I always would. We're going to record it, play it back. That's another, another way you could do it as well. So that's one challenge. Another one is have a patient survey for specific feedback. So let's say that you want to know for new patients specifically what they thought of your visual aids, let's say. 
So we send a survey out. It's maybe three questions that they would do in office before they leave and say, hey, you know what, Dr. Crown wants to um, check her, her new patient experience with every new patient. And we just want to ask three questions based on your experience today. Um, you know, did, did you, were you confused from what the um, doctor said to you? Did you approve of the visual aids used? Is there anything that they could have said or done differently with visual aids or verbiage? Something along those lines. It might be about um, an emergency exam. It might be anything specific. So, so targeting whatever feedback you're wanting for those specific patients. Now there's some surveys that get sent out to everybody, you know, they're with um, your, maybe your um, practice management system or with your automated systems, they have those surveys. This is a little different. This is just handing them a pen, you know, a pen and paper, um, three questions, getting it immediate feedback for a specific amount of time. And then reviewing your visual aids and update as needed. If you don't have an inter interoral camera or it's been a long time, please, please, please for yourself, get one. If you have them in there and your team's not using it, ask them why. It might be, I've been in offices, plenty of offices where they had them. And unfortunately, it was such a hassle to plug it in and it just didn't calibrate right with the computers and it was kept spinning and it's not gonna get used. And it's just, you know, frustrating for the team. And when you say do it and they don't, then everybody gets upset. So get a working internal camera. They're really not that expensive anymore. Um, they used to be and now they're, they've gone down and they've improved their technology as well. Uh, learning your case per acceptance percentage and then set a goal to improve by 2% over the next three months. So say, my guess is, is that your case acceptance percentage is lower than you think it is. And part of that is because, like I mentioned earlier, when you are doing your case presentation and the patient nods and they're all in acceptance, in your mind as the back office team, we think, okay, they've scheduled, they accepted, it's done. When they go to the front, something happens, they have Etch-a-Sketch brain and all this stuff falls out, they get up and they don't schedule. So there's a disconnect between what we think happens and what actually happens. So when you learn your case acceptance percentage and then set a goal to improve by 2% over the next three months and then set a goal as to what that's gonna look like. Is it gonna be, I'm gonna use internal camera every time? Am I going to um, adjust my feedback? So we need to know how we're gonna do it. We can't just keep doing the same thing and expect it to improve just because we want it to. We need to, okay, this is what I'm gonna do to try to get that 2% increase. And then ask that patient for the agreement on your treatment recommendations. So Mrs. Jones, I know I've given you a few options for the upper right tooth. As we saw in the pictures, you have a large crack on tooth number three. You agree that the crown is the optimal treatment for you. See what they say. If they say, yes, I do, great. Walk them up front, do the handoff to the front. Um, Mrs. Jones and doctor agreed that the crown is the best option for her. Let's get her back in the next two weeks. And just being confident in, in giving them what the next steps are helps them to understand, okay, they may have had seven crowns, but we're dealing with one at a time, right? We're dealing with one section at a time, maybe not one tooth, maybe it's a quadrant, but we wanna make sure that we understand the patient's needs and if they're overwhelmed to 
to help them to see that and just take one step at a time. If they can handle hearing all of it all at once, then fine, give that to them. But understanding it's about them, not about us. And that's really the, the key point here is understanding your blind spots, using the idea method to identify, discuss, educate, and advise, and really spend the majority of your time on the discussion and not the identifying and the educating and the advising. Really the discussion on what's that emotional impact on them? How does it affect them? Taking their um, assessment into consideration. What do they care about? And then really helping them to see why it's beneficial for them based on what you find in their x-rays and what their needs are. So if you have any questions, I'm gonna wrap up and you can contact me anytime. Here's my email address, my phone number, my website, your time and attention today. And I look forward to next month. It is the third Thursday at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time, five o'clock and we'll five o'clock Arizona time and we will continue our discussion on the cost of communication. So have a great evening, everybody, and I will see you next month. Bye. Mm -hmm.